As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This recording contains graphic details of a violent crime and may be disturbing to some listeners. It is not suitable for children. Clunes Cluedo. A real life who done it what provokes the violent slaying of a young woman with no known enemies with no weapon uncovered how do they believe the brutality was inflicted how can it be that in a small country town where everyone knows everyone else's business no one has come forward after three decades Who wears a mask of disguise, fooling everyone in their midst of their murderous past? 
Where could the evidence be hiding? And when will justice finally be served on a stone-cold killer? Probably basically from then, that's where I got my kind of, I guess you could call it fear of the darkness, fear of what I couldn't see. Hi, I'm Alice. And I'm CJ. And we're narrating Clunes Cluedo and promoting justice for Nina. Okay, so I actually understand that you're related to Nina. That's right. So I'm actually Nina's second cousin. I don't have many memories of her as I was just quite young when she died. However, being part of the family has enabled me the privilege of speaking to those closest to her and being able to have those deeper conversations about what she was like, what happened that night um, when she was tragically taken from our family. Is this something that has been talked about a lot growing up? No, it hasn't. Um, we've always had in the back of our minds that we had this unsolved murder in our family, yep. but no one really delved into it very deeply. Okay, so do you actually know what happened that night? Okay, so I'll try and explain chronologically. Um, yep. So I've been speaking to Nina's family directly, and Nina's mum and dad actually remember that around that time, um, we're going back to September 1991. She loved watching the show Chances, which was a short-running Aussie soap opera about a family that won won the lottery, I think. Yeah, right. Um, But they can't remember what they watched on TV that particular night, although Anne, Nina's mum, recalls asking her if she was going to stay and watch Funniest Home Video Show before she left, which is you know, something we all remember watching, I think. I was going to say that. Yeah, it's always like a big family thing to watch that show. Yeah. Um, Nina didn't actually stay to watch Funniest Home Video Show because she had to get tickets to a dinner show um, for a company called Dirty Dicks, who, funny name, but they actually were a um, cabaret show from Melbourne and they were coming into Ballarat to um, do a dinner show. Oh, I love it. Like a big thing as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, So she'd been planning to go with a few friends, um, but she had to pick up the tickets. Um, It was going to be on on the Thursday or Friday night, the show, so she had to actually pick up those tickets that night. Needed to shoot off early. So um, that evening while she was at her parents' place, her mum and brother ate curried sausages, they remember, um, while they were sitting on the lounge watching the telly. Her dad, Spike, was actually in bed already because he'd had an exhausting day um, doing other things out and about. Um, So the family dinners weren't an unusual occurrence. So this is a time when Aussie families still centralised their meal around the only screened entertainment device that existed. Um, Now, although Nina was recently married, her husband was actually often away on interstate trips as a truck driver. So Nina would make up the time with her family. Um, And as we know, it's only really quite literally just around the corner. So really easier for her to drop in whether she had five minutes or five hours to spare. Yeah. Now, The interesting part of this is about a year or so before, Nina had actually called her parents in the middle of the night. She was hysterical that someone was outside her house poking around. And when her father picked her up, so he's come straight around, he searched the area, the shorter the coast was clear. Nina has then apparently admitted um, that it actually wasn't the first time she worried that a peeping Tom was lingering around, you know, perversely watching her at her property. Now, to put it into a visual, the layout of Nina's house when you're facing the street from her porch, you'll see a neighbouring home to the direct right. They share a fence line, whereas the immediate left and rear of the property was actually open land at the time. 
So other homes adjacent to Nina's home were laid out like a typical suburban street, although semi-rural, um, but there's plenty of space to run, but also ample areas to hide. Now, maternal instincts kicked in when um, Nina's parents heard about this issue and Anne demanded that Nina no longer sleep at home um, or, or, you know, sleep at home alone when her husband was away. And so that began a year or so of the comfort and safety of the familial home when needed. She'd also stay with friends from time to time from what I've been told as to, you know, remove the pressure off her parents a little bit. Yeah. So on that night, Anne recalls when she was telling me um, Nina was standing by the heater. Um, Nina's petite frame, she's got hazel eyes, um, naturally quite dark hair, which she would often have permed, as you'll probably notice through a lot of the photos we've received of her. So she was a tiny little thing, apparently warming herself by the heater that evening. And Anne recalls saying to her, gosh, your hair looks beautiful tonight, um, which is really nice, yes. I think. Um, Sweet memory to have poignant and a little bit bittersweet. Yeah. Um, but she recalls that her hair looked just fantastic that evening. Now it was just after eight, Nina had to head off. So she was due to start her nursing shift at Ballarat's St. John of God Hospital in the paediatric ward at around 9.30. Did Nina live in Ballarat? No. So she actually resided in Clunes. Um, so the trip to work was around a half hour drive. Um, but we know she needed to actually stop at home and get changed into her uniform first, into her yep. nursing dress. So Anne actually described to me uh, that the weather was quite shitful by then, um, in her words. Yeah. So she'd usually walk Nina to the car, but this time she actually waited at the door in order to stay warm and dry. So she saw Nina off, um, you know, warned her to dry carefully as you do. Um, but of course, little did she know, the drizzle was the least of her worries that night. Yeah. So do we know the actual timeline of the night ahead? Look, not specifically. Um, we didn't hear or the family didn't hear anything until the phone has actually unexpectedly rung at around 9.30. Yeah. So Anne actually thought it was Nina calling to ask them to take chances for her because they hadn't discussed it while Nina was there. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't that simple. Um, so it was actually Nina's workplace. She hadn't turned up. Uh, when she was always punctual and they were worried she might have broken down on the road between Clunes and Ballarat, which is a good half-hour drive, so there's a fair few kilometres you could have um, been stranded or got into trouble on. And it was, like, not a great night with weather, so that makes sense. Exactly, and the windy country roads can be really unforgiving in the wrong type of climate. Mm. Um, so Anne woke up Spike, who, as we know, had already gone to bed a little bit early. So they're assuming that she's probably broken down somewhere. So yeah. Spike gets up out of bed. Andrew, Nina's brother, who was actually 17 at the time, they got themselves together, jumped in the ute to do the reconnaissance drive of sorts um, to help find her and repair the car or, or, or fix up whatever had gone wrong. So naturally they drove past Nina's house just in case. Um, it was, after all, just around the corner. So they were obviously really surprised to see Nina's white Nissan safely parked in the driveway. Now, the porch light wasn't on, which was actually a habit Nina had to save power, like a lot of us do. And as Spike's headlights turned into the driveway and grazed over the front of the house, it actually lit up a view of Nina laying on the decking. So Spike and Andrew have gotten out, uh, walked in the gate. It was dark, uh, but they could see that it was Nina. 
um, and that she was quite bloodied um, and non-responsive. So the front door was locked. Um, She was already in her uniform, so we know that she's managed to get home, get changed and get back out the door. Um, And it seems she's been attacked once she's locked the door. So her handbag lay seemingly untouched next to her with all her cash cards, keys, and even a tapestry of five little dogs that she'd been working on for her mum. Um, so by all accounts, she'd managed to get ready for work, been about to leave uh, when she was approached. So Spike has desperately tried to find a pulse on Nina. Uh, he advised Andrew to unlock the house with the spare key um, and call the ambulance, call the police and get the lights turned on as well. And then he sped to get Anne. What do you think was going through Spike's mind when he saw Nina? Well, as Anne recalls, um, they weren't quite sure. So Anne said that she remembers a few minutes after they've gone to find Nina, she suddenly hears the urgent beeping of a car horn coming through the driveway, urging her to get outside. So she came outside in her slippers. Um, She asked Spike if they found her and Spike said yes, but he wasn't sure if it was an accident or not. So perplexed, Anne gets in the car and within a minute is running through the mud to Nina, who lay battered on the porch. So as Anne recalls, she and the family searched for a pulse with no success. Um, She went inside to tell Spike, who was on the phone to the local hospital, um, that she couldn't find a pulse. So in the interim, Anne has gone outside back to the porch and sat down and nursed Nina's head on her lap while they waited for a policeman to come. So Anne remembers, you know, although nearly 30 years later, that there was actually a man um, roughly to the left of her, disguised disguised by the night, silent, not responding to anything. Um, And she recalls in the chaos that she was wondering in her head why this stranger wasn't helping her, you know, why aren't you helping me? My daughter's, you know, in danger here. Um, So she recalls that he was quite tall. Um, and she recalls that he had a shirt with some type of pattern on it. Um, but obviously in the chaos yeah. of your daughter being gravely injured, she wasn't paying much attention to that. But she didn't see a face or anything like that? No, she said it was really dark that night. Yeah. Um, we know that the porch light hadn't been on. There's clearing, there's bushland, there's no street lights up in the area to the left of the property. So yeah. it obstructed the view of a lot of things, I'm sure, that evening. Yeah. So... Anne sat with Nina's head in her lap and she recalled to me the devastating moment when her life has changed forever as Nina let out a final sigh. Just heartbreaking. Before just stillness and Anne knew she was gone. Mm. Now, within moments after that, Rod Covey, um, the late Rod Covey, he was the local policeman at the time. He's arrived on scene. Uh, the stranger was gone. Um, she'd sort of noticed him in the headlight reflection um, of the police car as, it, as the police arrived. But when she sort of observed the area, he was gone, this bloke on the left. Um, so the stranger was gone and then suddenly the marital home of this young country couple became a crime scene. Yeah. Nina's friend Sandy actually recalls the town rumour mill. Um, after that evening. Stories going round, and I never spoke to um, Spike directly about it, um, but the stories going round were that they felt like someone was there watching them. They felt like the killer was there watching them, whether laying in the grass across the paddock, just watching them do their investigation and, and, and try and revive her that night. So Rod Covey has arrived 
and he stepped out of his vehicle. And Anne remembers shouting to him, Rod, I think she's dead. I don't know what to do. Now, shortly thereafter, Anne hears a voice from across the fence and neighbour Paul Key comes to the scene and tries CPR. So he'd claimed to know a thing or two about first aid. Yeah, right. Uh, Although Rod also tried CPR, um, it seemed it was to no avail, and Rod actually suggested that Anne retrieve a pillow and blanket to make Nina comfortable. Mm -hmm. And, of course, although grateful for the assistance from people, Anne knew it was too late for revival. Now, once further assistance arrived, Anne was actually taken home. Um, she recalls actually wondering what to pack, assuming and hoping that they'd be in for a lengthy hospital stay with Nina. Um, but the truth came hurtling towards her in the early hours of the morning, of course, when the police and Spike arrived back at the house, confirming that Nina was dead. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, Anne did try to go to sleep, um, but she's still in shock and disbelief that her, that her daughter is gone. So she wasn't able to sleep that night. Um, but she does recall that around 4 a.m. she was suddenly wondering where were Nina's glasses. Um, she relied on them to see, and she wasn't wearing them when Anne was there at the scene. Right. Um, so they let the police know. Um, who then, you know, they sort of were saying, you know, well, would she have definitely had her glasses on? And yes, a hundred percent. She wouldn't have been able to see anything in front of her if her glasses weren't on. Um, now they have searched the property, we think in the first light, but we're not too sure. And they have actually found Nina's glasses. So they're actually at the rear of the property in the grass in that clearing I was talking about. 
Um, so if you're facing Nina's property from the road over to your right hand side, um, so somebody has obviously gone out into that clearing after the act, uh, perhaps thrown them. We don't know. Um, it had actually been raining heavily that night as we know. Um, and unfortunately that meant little chance of any fingerprinting or DNA being retrieved from them. So where was her husband at this time? Right. So as we know, he was a truck driver Mm -hmm. and actually that night he was on a truck run to Adelaide. Um, and you know, it was actually quite a, um, an ordeal to actually get in touch with him back then. Of course, we didn't have mobile phones. We had the two way radios on the trucks. So it was actually through, um, communications and back and forth between various truck stops and other trucks on the road Mm -hmm. to truck him down and a family friend who was closer to the border, um, and was also a truck driver actually managed to track him down somewhere near the border, I think, and, um, and informed him and then drove him home. So, he was back home by, we think, late morning on the Wednesday after yeah. um, and, you know, came straight to the scene and I can't imagine what that drive home would have been like. Yeah, that's it. Now, Nina's friend Sandy, who we've spoken to this week as well, um, she actually recalls how she found out that Nina had died. Uh, when I met Nina, I was actually working at a news agent. Um, and I remember um, first finding out with it because I mixed her picture with all over the paper and I was just, it just, it took my breath away. Like, I just, I just couldn't believe that someone so kind and so nice like that could just be taken. And I think that was nearly probably one of the first times I've experienced death. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, have grandparents and stuff like that or parents that pass away and, and things like that. But that was the first time definitely where I uh, felt anything or, or known anyone that was um, had passed away way, way before each time. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was shocking. That was obviously really telling hearing from Sandy and hearing the, the true emotion and, and shock in her voice. So I, I cannot fathom. Um, how the rest of her friends and family reacted and how it felt in their in their guts when they saw those headlines about someone they knew so well in such a small town. Um, now, in terms of the investigation, obviously we know, you know, still to this date and the purpose of this podcast is someone actually hasn't been caught for this murder. Yeah. Um, so in the months afterwards, the police did so much. Um, they also had, and I know you've got the notice there, um, that there was an around-the-clock police information booth actually set up in town, uh, which was urging people to come forward um, at any time that they could with information. Um, there was also newspaper reports from the week, um, which had the police admitting that they'd actually drawn a blank and were desperate for public assistance still. Yeah. We know that there was actually potentially a, a first lead, uh, an initial prime suspect, you might say, that they followed up on leads of. Um, however, that has resulted in um, determining that that person had no involvement. Um, but there was someone and a lot of people came forward, whether it was with concepts or whether it was actual information, we don't know. But we know that the initial leads the police had weren't accurate and resulted in getting no solid answers. So, I know you've got the poster there. Yeah. And it just shows the, like, everything they were trying to do to find this person and, like, 
reaching out to the public to see if they had any answers or anything like that. Yeah, and it was nearly 30 years ago, and I guess it is <laughs> just to call it old school is because it actually was. Mm. Um, but there's a poster here which we'll include on our Instagram page, but it actually was a paper poster put up by the Homicide Squad and put up on notice boards and, and polls around town in Clunes and in Letterbox, I believe, as well. Um, what's it there asking for them to... To come forward. forward. Yeah. What dates were they in town? They were in town from the Saturday the 7th of, to Tuesday the 10th of December. Okay. That would have been 91. So mm-hmm. a couple of months after she died. So they were obviously still trying to track down any little precious bits of information after that point. And, I mean, a murder and an unsolved murder is tragic and scary in any part. But when it's a small town, I guess it just makes it that much you just, you you feel like you know everyone in a small town and then it's just like, well, who's done this? So that's right. And from the people I've spoken to, you know, the police, they pulled in a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they turned the town inside out. Um, sadly, as a result of all that as well, relationships broke down, people moved away, yeah. and information of all kinds came out of the woodwork by turning the town upside down. Um, it also turned the life of a private rural couple into undesired news headlines, Um, you know, that being the relationship of Nina and her husband, Nick. So detective after detective, um, but still no solid answers and certainly no justice for Nina. Now, no motive was ever established. No weapon was determined um, despite a a post-mortem, which determined that Nina had died of uh, varying head injuries, which had resulted from various blows to the head and upper body with an unknown but probably blunt instrument. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a rural area. People have tools. People have access to things. Um, I mean. And there's a lot of bushland and, and everything, I guess, as well, like that you could dump something. But That's right, and a creek as well. I mean, yeah. we know that the police have done all they could um, to find things. We know that actually 25 police interviewed the whole town yeah, wow. There's no one I've spoken to in Clunes that was there at the time who didn't have their door knocked on. Um, I've had people with newborn babies opening up the door to police, being asked if they knew anything. These are people on the other side of town. So there's police door knock for days, hoping that somebody, anybody yeah. knew anything, mm. but came up blank again and again. So... It was actually the Friday after her death um, and Anne recalls having to plan Nina's funeral and, I, you know, anyone who's lost a child knows that it's just the wrong order of things to have to yeah. organise a funeral and memorial service for your, for your own. Um, but, you know, that's what had to be done. They were thrust into organising a funeral, which ended up being held at St Paul's Anglican Church in Clunes. So this was actually the same church where she was christened, married and ultimately farewelled just breaks your heart it does and and look i suppose it's an example of how well nina was known and loved um the church was packed they had people all outside the the church as well while the service went on um some nuns i I think with nina working for st john's um St. John of God Hospital in Ballarat they actually put on a service for her a few days later at the St. John's Chapel in Ballarat Um, and her memorial was echoed by you know John Lennon's Imagine and one of Nina's favorite actually John Farnham's You're the Voice. So it just shows how loved she was the fact that she's had two service like funerals and everything like that 
Uh, do we know now, I mean, it's 28 years later, do we know how this has been portrayed in the media, like what's happened and followed up since then? Mm. Look, unfortunately, we don't have the answers that we want mm. just yet, which again is part of the purpose of this podcast is to help circulate um, the fact that this still hasn't been solved and no one has been held accountable. So to date, um, to summarise it, news reports suggest that a neighbour was interviewed multiple times throughout the years, uh, but has always been able to account for their movements with the support of an alibi, okay. we believe. Um, so despite an exhaustive investigation, and I, I honestly do believe this case exhausted multiple detectives, It's there's been so many hands pass over her file over the years and so many really fantastic policemen that dedicated so much of their career to trying to... Yeah you know, bring about justice for Nina. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the police were unable to hold anyone to account or charge someone with her murder. So to this day, um, as we record, the motive, the murderer and the weapon are still unknown. Thank you for listening to Episode 1 of Clunes Cluedo, Digging for Clues in a gold mine. In our next episode, hear about who Nina was, who she could have become, and who was left behind as a result of her brutal killing. There is a strong perception that the person responsible for Nina's death still lives and works in the Greater Clunes area and might have a very strong alibi protecting them. It is urged that anyone who knows what happened that night who can provide an account and the missing puzzle piece to crack this case, come forward. Time is not on the side of Nina's family, who have lived through more than a life sentence of hell, knowing that a killer is on the loose, living the long country life that Nina was robbed of. There is a $1 million reward on offer for information that leads to conviction. There is also leniency offered to the person or persons who come forward who feel they may have been protecting someone or themselves all these years. Crime Stoppers is contactable on 1-800-333-000. Alternatively, you can contact your local police station for support and assistance. If you know something, please say something. 28 years is a long time to be burdened with such a secret. Now is the right time to set yourself free. What if it was your daughter? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.